Hello once again. My name is Pastor Rich and I pastor Faith Chapel in Pleasanton, California. And we are going to be looking at part three of a series of messages entitled, There's Power in the Name. Today we'll be looking at the name of God, Jehovah Jireh. And we'll be looking in Genesis 22. Several weeks ago, we started looking at different names of God that are found within Scripture. And we've already looked at three of God's names. Elohim, referring to God as the strong creator. Jehovah, referring to the self-existent one, uh, the I Am. And Adonai, referring to owner, master, lord, and sovereign God of all creation. Each name of God reveals more and more about him. Each of the names that we've already studied and the names we are yet to study will help us to know and understand more of God, who we love and worship. Each name reveals more truth concerning who God is, and they will give us a more complete picture of God, which over time will give us a complete understanding of who he is. Over time, we will... Uh, It'll help us give us a better understanding of his characteristics, of his attributes. We will see uh, God being described in many different ways and by different people, yet there is only one God. As we've already noted, Elohim and Adonai are both plural names, yet they are used in Scripture in a singular manner. Both times, both names are used to identify God the Father as creator, sovereign Lord of all creation. And the name Jehovah refers to God the Father, the self-existent one. In the Gospel of John, we, we see John refers to the word, meaning Jesus, being with God and is God. In Genesis 1, we find the Holy Spirit is involved in creation. In Matthew 28, we see the reference uh, uh, to being baptized and believers being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, there is only one God, but in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and all three make up the Godhead. One God. In creation, Genesis 1, 26, we find the reference of, of the Godhead, really, in a sense, where, where it reads, When God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Throughout Scripture, we find that God is described in many different ways, and yet no one name will fully capture everything about God. Each name falls short of a complete description of God Almighty. How a person views God is often through what they know or believe and they assume to be true about God, along with their own personal experiences. A person may think that God is distant or that God is harshest when a prayer goes unanswered, and yet when they find that God is not harsh, and, he, and that he does care and loves them when they know the truth 
of who God is. The problem with thinking that God is harsh or that he doesn't care is that the person only sees a shadow of the truth and not the complete picture. The person needs to know and we need to know the entire situation before prejudging the character of God. The reason God appears harsh for a moment may be to bring about a blessing, not to harm someone, not to harm you. A person's perspective of God may only be a partial picture and only from their point of view rather than knowing the entire entire picture of God and from God's point of view. You see, we need to see the entire picture. We need to see the full picture before we make a blanket statement that like God is harsh or or there is no God. Within each name of God, we find additional revelation and truth. And I've already said this regarding who God is, along with learning more and more of God's character and attributes. No one name will fully describe who God is. You see, that would be impossible. God is much bigger than one name. To think that you know anyone simply by knowing their first name would be foolish. That would limit what you know about the person. In any kind of interview or investigation or getting to know someone, you need to know their name, their past history, and spend time with them. You see, there are a lot of scams and false identities floating around on the web or just in written form and in someone's idea and mind and conversation. One bad Online review cannot tell the entire story or give a full picture of a business or a person's reputation. The more reviews you see, the more you know. The more you talk to someone, the more you learn of them. The more you, uh, the more information you have, more likely the truth comes out. However, unless you see experience and know for yourself, you may still have reservations and never truly know the truth. Relying on limited or or incomplete information can cause a person to make wrong assumptions of a business or a person. And what is true of a business or person would also be true concerning God. You see, relying on limited or incomplete information of God, relying on false or misleading information, trusting a person's personal perspective, when you may already know that they have a negative understanding or an incomplete picture of God, would be wrong. And thinking one name could fully describe God, in my mind, would be limiting God who is limitless and beyond our understanding. You see, we need to seek and know all the truth of God for ourselves. Isaiah 55, 9 says this, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We will 
never fully know or understand everything about God, and yet we can grow in the knowledge and understanding of who God is as we draw closer to him and seek him with all our hearts. With each name of God, we will encounter, uh, we will have and understand God in, through our spiritual eyes and in our hearts. Our eyes will be opened wider regarding the truth of God and our understanding of God will increase. Our faith, vision, knowledge and expectation of God will, will grow as we grow in our understanding of God. You see, as we grow in the knowledge of God, we will know God more completely and be able to trust and believe in God in difficult times and in good times, in trying times and in times of blessing. I read a, a parable, a story that I believe originated in India. It's of six blind men who had an encounter with an elephant for the very first time in their lives. The story goes something like this. The first blind man ran his hand along the side of the elephant and, and he claimed that an elephant was like a wall. The second man touched the ivory tufts and proceeded to think and say that the elephant was round and smooth to the touch, much like a spear and having a sharp point. A third man thought, no, you two are all wrong. The elephant is, is like a big snake and as he touched the elephant's long trunk. The fourth man thought the elephant was, was like a big tree with his legs. He felt one leg and it was like a huge stump of a tree. That's what he thought the elephant was like. The fifth man told the others that they were all wrong, that the elephant was like a big, large fan as he touched the elephant's ears and flopped it around. Then the sixth man told all the others that they were mistaken and that the elephant was truly like a rope as he held on to the elephant's tail. You see, to a small extent, each of them were correct. But none of them had a true and complete picture of the elephant. They didn't know the color of the animal. They didn't know that the elephant, what it was capable of doing, how strong it was. They didn't have a complete picture in their mind of the elephant. Instead, each had a view. Six views regarding the elephant and each one limited by their limited experience and limited knowledge. They were only aware of what they felt with their hands, and they each thought the other was mistaken. None of them had a true picture of the elephant. If they had only experienced what each other had experienced, they would have learned for themselves that the elephant was truly like. The same can be said about, about uh, God. Such things as the world might say that uh, there is no God. Some might say there are many ways to God. Some believe every religion uh, prays to the same God. 
Others claim God is what uh, is love and that everyone will make it into heaven. It's true that God is love, but he is also just, holy, righteous. And because he is holy, just, and righteous, no sinner will enter heaven. The truth is, God cannot stand sin, but he does love the sinner. And it's because of that love. God promised that one day, one would would crush the head of the serpent. And the promise was fulfilled in Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection. It is because God provided a Savior, the debt of sin is paid. The sinner is redeemed when they place their faith in Christ. Grace and mercy and forgiveness is received and is extended to all who believe in Jesus. And whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Listen to 1 Peter 1.6 when Peter says this. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer in, in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see, at times, the only way uh, to grow spiritually is to be tested. The only way to experience God and learn more about yourself and who God is, is to go through testing and come out victorious on the other side. And that brings us to Genesis 22. Here we find a story of sacrifice and provision. Here Abraham was tested and he learned something new about God and something about himself. He learns that God is Jehovah Jireh. Abraham believed God could provide for himself a lamb. Abraham learned that even in the midst of testing, God would and could provide. Today I want us to consider the name of God, the Jehovah Jireh. You see, this is a combination name. We've already seen that Jehovah means a self existent one, the I am. The name Jehovah indicates that God is eternal, that he needs no one to exist. Jehovah is the I am. But Jireh means to see. So Jehovah Jireh is the self-existent one who sees. Jehovah Jireh is the eternal I am who sees. And yet, placed together in English, Jireh can be translated as provide. Not only to see, but provide. And here we see Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. 
some background to the story. God promised Abraham a son, and after some 25 plus years, Isaac is born, the son of promise is born. In Genesis 22, God tests Abraham and he asks him to sacrifice his son, Isaac. This was a test of faith, a test of obedience, a test of love. Abraham has learned to trust God over the years, and now in Genesis 22, we see Abraham will need to trust God again. Abraham will, will, uh, may not have understood the test at the moment. He may not have understood why or known why God was asking him to sacrifice his son Isaac. But Abraham believed in God. He believed that he could trust God. And in trusting God, Abraham learned that God would and could provide. So if you have your Bible, let's turn to Genesis 22. We're going to begin reading, I believe, at verse 2. It reads this way in the NIV. Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy... Go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham uh, built an altar there and arranged uh, the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as the burnt offering instead of his son. Verse 14, so Abraham called that place the Lord will 
provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Father, I pray that you will anoint your word in the remainder of this time. Give us greater understanding of who you are. Give us a greater understanding of the name of Jehovah Jireh, that when we're in a difficult time, when we're being tested, Lord, that you will help us to understand that you will provide, that you will not let us stray or go on ourselves, but Lord, that you are there, that you see, and that you will provide. Amen. See, Abraham doesn't really give God the name Jehovah-Jireh here. Instead, Abraham called the place that he was to sacrifice Isaac the name the Lord will provide. You see, it is on the mountain that God will provide. God will provide all you need as you go through life and in times of testing. Abraham learns through personal experience that God is able to provide. Abraham and Isaac traveled some 50 plus miles to the place where God would show him. Did Abraham know what God would provide? I don't know if he fully knew, but he professed it. And yet Abraham believed God would provide the lamb for the sacrifice. Abraham believed that Isaac and he would return together to the servants from sacrificing to God on the mountaintop. Everything Abraham had experienced up to this point, God has been faithful. He's kept his promises and he, has, he had no reason to doubt now. For three days, Abraham walked in the direction God was leading. For three days, he must have been wondering about the sacrificing his son, Isaac, the child of promise, the son whose descendants would become a nation and whose offspring would be numbered greater than the stars in the sky. Remember, God is asking Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his son, the son that he loved, the son that God had promised and provided, the son that Abraham and Sarah had waited for for 25 years to be born. And yet early in the morning, Scripture tells us that both Abraham and his son set out for a journey of a lifetime. Abraham had prepared and packed everything he needed and brought everything what he needed to sacrifice to God. Abraham trusted God, so much so that he's told his servants that he and Isaac would return after they sacrificed to God, after they worshipped God. Alone on the top of a mountain, Abraham builds an altar. He sets the wood in place and places his son Isaac on the altar to sacrifice. Hebrews eleven seventeen says this, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, 
even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. The words of Isaac must have echoed in Abraham's mind and heart. The words, where's the lamb for the sacrifice, for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, yes, God will provide. You see, Abraham believed God would. But how? When? Where? It was not until Abraham was about to slay his son that the angel of the Lord calls out to Abraham to stop. Friends, God's timing is perfect. He is never late. He is always on time. Often we will not see the hand of God until we obey and trust God wholeheartedly ourselves. Look at verse 12. God tells Abraham, Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. But didn't God already know? Didn't God already know that Abraham reverenced God? Didn't God already know that Abraham would obey? Yes, sure he did. However, Abraham's obedience proves it for all involved. Abraham learns that his own faith in God is real and that God is first in his heart by his own action of obedience. Like Abraham, we will learn our faith is real and that God is first in our lives as we are tested and tried by God and we obey. Psalms 139, starting at verse 6, says this, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down, and you are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. David wrote this psalm with understanding that God is all-knowing. For God to test a person is not so God will see whether that person's faith is real. Rather, it is so the person will know themselves that their faith is real. It is so that they understand and learn to trust God all the more. And for the next time, and the time after, and the time after that. It is so the person will know that God will provide. It is so the person understands that God sees and that he will meet every need. It is so you will know and experience and believe that God will provide for you.
Let me ask, do you know God as Jehovah Jireh? Do you believe God is Jehovah Jireh? Have you experienced God as Jehovah Jireh? You see, you can trust God to be Jehovah Jireh in times of testing. Israel learned to trust God. Exiting Egypt, God provided manna and quail. He provided water for a rock. He purified water that was impure. And God gave them victory over their enemies as they entered the promised land. Learning that God will provide often only follows after faith and obedience. You see, delayed or incomplete obedience is nothing less than disobedience. In 1 Samuel 15, we find Saul was to destroy the Amalekites. He was told to destroy all the Amalekites, all the animals, everything. But Saul doesn't fully obey. Instead, Saul kept some of the animals alive and with Agag, the king. Saul claimed to fully obey God, to fully obey the Lord, but Saul didn't destroy everything. Saul only partially obeyed. Saul's disobedience revealed his true heart. Saul's rebellion and sin was an act of idolatry towards God. Then we see that God rejects Saul as king and the prophet Samuel anoints David to be king. The remainder of 1 Samuel, we can see Saul's sinful heart is clearly displayed by his continued rebellious actions. Did God know that Saul would disobey? Sure he did. But God also knew that Saul would never repent. Saul may have said he was sorry, like many who say they are sorry, but really he was only sorry for have gotten caught. Saul knew what he was doing regarding the Amalekites. He blamed others, but he knew. He, he chose not to obey. You see, Saul was all about himself. Now, now King David sinned a number of times, as you know, and, and yet when confronted with his sin, David was more than sorry. He repented. He turned from his sin. David accepts God's judgment and returns to worshiping the Lord Almighty. David is said to have a heart after God. David reverenced God, and, uh, and although David was not perfect, David loved God with all of his heart, as seen by his actions and submission and obedience. In Scripture, we learn that Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. But then in, in Genesis twenty two fifteen we see that the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, 
I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Wow. What a blessing. Abraham's blessing, obedience, brought blessing. God provided all that Abraham needed and kept his promise. All that was promised to Abraham, God faithfully provided and fulfilled. Let me give you a few interesting points. Mount Moriah where Abraham was to sacrifice his son is the same place where Solomon's temple was built, the temple of God. It is where the priests would sacrifice to God, and one day Jesus, the Lamb of God, would sit and teach the scriptures. It is also noteworthy that God did not withhold his son from being sacrificed. Abraham not withholding his son is a is a preview of what of God and Jesus and what was to happen. John three sixteen. I quote this scripture a lot, but for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that who sh believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whosoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You see, Jesus is the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. Jesus is and was the promised Savior and was fulfilled, and the promise of the Savior was fulfilled when God gave his one and only son to be sacrificed on the cross as a sin offering, providing redemption and forgiveness, providing eternal life to all whosoever believes. Can you say that you know God as Jehovah Jireh? See, I want to go on record and say that God has provided all of my needs He's paid the debt that I could not pay. He has given me everything I've wanted. Rather, rather, he has not given me everything I've wanted, but he has certainly given me everything that I needed. Grace, mercy, forgiveness, salvation. He has given me a godly wife, family, and friends. He has blessed me and loves me. He has always been faithful. He has always provided. The greatest need each of us have is salvation. The greatest testing that we will experience is that do we believe in God Almighty? Do we believe in the name of Jesus? You see, he promised it and he freely provided it. All we need do is believe. Trials will come, 
but the trials are never there to hurt. Rather, they are to build us up. They are to reveal our hearts to ourselves. They are to teach us more about ourselves and for us to learn about God and who he is and how he loves us and created us. See, God desires to reveal himself to you as Jehovah Jireh, your provider. I, I don't know if you know this, but there was a song by Daddy Weave, Big Daddy Weave, Trust and Obey, and, and I think it was written before that. But listen to a few of the, the words. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. God's name, Jehovah Jireh, is one that you can trust. Yes, he is Elohim. Yes, he is Jehovah. Yes, he is Adonai. And yes, he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loves you. He breathed life into you. And he will provide for you. Will you bow your heads? Father, I pray that, this, that today that we will open up our spiritual eyes, that we will see in a greater way, one, how much you love us, and that we will understand that you are more than just God. But you were God Almighty, you were Elohim, you were Jehovah, you were Adonai, you were Jehovah Jireh. And each of those names gives us a greater truth, a greater understanding of who you are. And that's what we want everyone to know. Help us to, to share the love and grace and mercy of God with others. Help us to receive it and understand it ourselves. Oh, when we go through trials and difficulty, help us. Help us. I know that your timing is perfect. I pray that each one who hears this word and hears this message, who, who, who hears the name Jehovah Jireh, who, who, who trusts in God Almighty, will know that you see and that you were there. Lord, bless each one. May they sense your presence, your healing touch, your arms around them. In Jesus' name, for your glory, amen, amen. I want to thank you for listening, and if you'd like to give to the Ministry of Faith Chapel and the ability to be able to put these words, these messages, these thoughts out to others, 
please go to agfaithchapel.org. And uh, on our website, you can opportunity to give to the ministry. We just want to thank you for spending time and, and listening. And I hope this has, has blessed you. Amen. Thank you.